Well, good morning, everyone. It is so great to see you here today, so great to be with you. Again, I'm just so blessed, and I want to welcome those who are online as well as those who are in person. Again, God is here. I just want to say this, that God is for you, that God is bigger. As I shared a few weeks ago, this is really kind of a theme for me this fall, that we would remember that whatever it is that we experience in life, the good, the challenges, the bad, that our God is bigger, that he is greater. Well, my name is Pastor Todd, along with my wife, Jan. We're the lead pastors here. And again, there's a few things that I want to uh, uh, do here before I jump into the, my, my wor- the word here that God has put on my heart. And first of all, it's this. If you have um, questions uh, about uh, uh, the mandates, about vaxxing, anti-vaxxing, and you're just feeling overwhelmed with just what to do, and maybe you're getting pressures from work and you're having a hard time making choices or decisions or you're just feeling overwhelmed with things, I want you to know, I don't want you to have to go through that alone. And so if you need help or you need just somebody to talk to, I personally would love to be able to encourage you to pray with you. You can reach out to me at Todd at eastsidecitychurch.ca and I would love to have those conversations with you because I believe God doesn't want us to feel like we have to journey through anything alone. I also want to remind you of something, if you haven't done this already, and I think this is something that we need to be reminded of, is that tomorrow is the voting for our municipal elections, for our mayors, our council members, whether you're in Calgary or Chestermere or Airdrie or whatever, or Strathmore, there's a lot of cities that are represented here. I believe one of the great privileges that people laid down their lives was for us to be able to go and vote. And I want to encourage you to go and vote. Sometimes I have people tell me they're really frustrated by the leaders that they see around them. And I ask them, well, did you vote? Well, no, it really doesn't make any difference. Yes, it does make a difference. And and in the coming weeks, we're going to begin to talk about how actually we can become more involved in seeing righteous leaders come into uh, those places. Because it doesn't just start uh, a day before an election. It's something that you have to believe for, pray for, actually get activated in. And we'll talk more about that later. Well, again, I want to do one last thing. And and, uh, one of the things that uh, I know is happening kind of more intensely in these last couple of weeks is we have a lot of people in our church that are sick, with uh, some with COVID, uh, some with other things in the hospital with pneumonias and things like that, as well as with the current uh, situation. There are people that need surgeries and operations but aren't able to do that. And I just want to pray. I just feel like one of the great things that we can do as believers in Jesus. I've already said this, if we believe God is bigger, then we have to declare that God is bigger. And so I just want to pray that God would touch these situations. Father, I thank you today, Lord Jesus, for your Holy Spirit. I thank you that, God, that you are Jehovah Rapha. You're the God who heals. And Lord, I pray for those right now who are battling with sickness, those that are battling with their health, Lord, those that are even in the hospital, I pray that you would touch them from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. God, that you would help them to recover. Jesus, we believe that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, Lord, is flowing through us and in us. And so, God, we declare a healing to people. I pray for those who are waiting for surgeries, Lord. I, I've been a- actually asking you for this, Lord, that you would just heal them. If the, they can't get to the doctor, they would see the great physician and you would touch their bodies right now. 
And Lord, that you would make a way, you would make a way. And so God, I thank you for this today. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen, amen. Well, I'm excited today to share with you a brand new series entitled, The God I Never Knew. And the subtitle, I think, is really important for us because it's this, that, that how friendship, how real friendship with the Holy Spirit can change your life. I, I've, uh, this is, uh, we're going to follow an outline uh, from a book that uh, Robert Morris wrote called The God I Never Knew. Now, I'm not preaching the book. I'm not quoting the book. Uh, I'm just using some of the principles that he did, uh, but we're making it our own thing because I believe God wants to help us grow in our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Um, And here's what I believe. Because the Holy Spirit has been misunderstood and misrepresented for years, I believe that a proper understanding of this important member of the Godhead, which we call the Trinity, we call the Godhead the Trinity, It's so important because if we understand it, it will release incredible freedom for not only your life, but for all of the people that you come into contact with. And I believe this, that that, that God desires for every single one of us to have what he has intended for us to have. Who here wants everything that God has for you? Who here desires more of God? I, I think if we're honest and we get past maybe a little bit of fear and trepidation, we would all say that, God, I want everything you have for me. I don't want just 10%. I don't want just 25%. I don't want even 80%. I want the whole enchilada. That's what I'm asking for. So today, as we begin this series, we're going to start with a message titled, Who is he? Who is the Holy Spirit? If you're going to be friends with somebody, don't you think it's important to get to know who they are? I mean, if we're talking about having real friendship with the Holy Spirit, I think we want to know a bit more about them. If I, when, I, when I met my wife, I wanted to know more about her. And the more that I knew about her, the more I wanted to be with her. That's what God's desire is for us in relation to him, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to start with this, that, that in the closing chapters of the book of John, we see some scriptures where Jesus introduces the Holy Spirit, where he talks more about the Holy Spirit, and what he's going to do. In fact, many scholars believe that the the chapters 14, 15, and 16 of John represent the last 12 hours of Jesus' ministry on earth before he went to the cross. And so the things that he's speaking about, the things that he's sharing, that he was telling his disciples were not only for them, but for us to understand these important principles. And the words that he communicated were important for us to understand. And so it starts, if you would turn in your Bibles with me, to John chapter 14, starting in verse 16. I'm going to read out of the New King James Version today. And here's what Jesus says to his disciples. He says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now notice I emphasize the words he and him. Why is this important? Because the Holy Spirit is not an it, but a person. 
You understand that? He's not an it. You see, it's important for us to understand this because if the Holy Spirit is a real person, it, therefore we can, we can go forward with this and say that we now can have a real relationship with him, a personal relationship with him. You do not have relationships with its. Now, I had a car when I was, uh, 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 just before I was married, that I called Old Blue. And, and, and I did talk to my car, but for the reasons of this, oh, come on, baby, please start. Come on, you got to start. Start today, start. Did anybody have a vehicle that you've ever had like that where you, be, you grew closer to God because your car, it was a miracle every time it ran. You're just like, oh, hallelujah. Well, we're not talking about having an, a relationship with our car or our favorite chair, but we're talking about having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus goes on to say this in chapter 14 of verse 25 and 26. He goes on to say, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you. This is what I'm sharing with you now that I'm here. But the helper, again, he uses the word helper, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and he will bring you to remembrance of all the things that I said, so the Holy Spirit now, he's, we're telling us he's going to bring this helper, he's going to bring remembrance when we need it, what Jesus has taught us, what we know about him. In John 15 verse 26, he goes on to say this, but when, here's that word again, when the helper comes, whom shall I send to you from, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Jesus says, the spirit is going to talk about me. Now again, the Holy Spirit speaks to us. Inanimate objects do not speak, do they? Now, my car, I could pray and, and talk to the car and want the car, but the car never said anything to me. It either started or it didn't start. The Holy Spirit, though, has relationship. There's communication. There's speaking. You see, real re relationship requires communication, right? I mean, we, we understand that. Why do most relationships break down? Lack of communication. People quit talking to each other. I want to encourage you, talk to your spouse. Talk to your friends. Communicate with them. So then Jesus goes on to say in chapter 16, verse 7, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I did not go away, again the word helper, the helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. Now, I think when Jesus was talking to his disciples about this helper, there was some shocking and kind of well, crazy news. Now, if they were listening to Jesus, they knew that he had been telling them for a while that he was going to have to go to the cross. Now, they didn't, I believe that most of the disciples didn't really understand that, didn't understand what it meant. But here's what Jesus says He says, I tell you the truth that I need to go away. Why? Because it will be to your advantage. What is the advantage? He goes, because I'm going to send you a helper. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. You see, there's somebody who's coming who you are now going to be able to relate to, who's going to help you, who's going to encourage you, but he can't come until I leave. John 16, verses 12 to 13, he goes on to say, I still have many things to say to you, but I cannot bear them now. However, he, the spirit of truth, has come. He will guide you into all truth, and he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you of the things to come. You see, another translation for the word helper 
is the word comforter. The, the King James Version says the word comforter, that the Holy Spirit is here to bring comfort to us, to walk with us. Now, most of us have something like this on our beds. Who, who here has a, a nice comforter on your bed? You, you like your comforter. Uh, I, I know there's a lot of people that love their comforter. When I was in, uh, a kid, I got a comforter when I was four years old. It was more of a blanket, but it was a comforter for, to me. I used that blanket. I took it with me everywhere till I was in my 20s. I would get up in the morning. I would wrap myself in the comforter. Who here does that? You sit on the couch and you wrap the comforter around you. You, you like it. It brings happiness and joy and contentment to you. That is what a great comforter is. Now, now I, I didn't understand this until I got married that not everything that was, is on a bed is for your personal use. I didn't know that there were pillows that you were not supposed to use them. And there were blankets. They were just for looks. Now, I got some guys looking at me like, that was a revelation to me too, Pastor Ty. There are just things that you look at. Some people have comforters that they just, they're, they're pretty, but they don't use them. Well, I can tell you this, that uh, I understand things differently now after a few years of marriage. I don't know if, about this the, the, in my own house. Did you know there's a bathroom that you can use, but I'm not allowed to? It's just the reality. There's, there's a bathroom that's for you, but it's not for me. Now, the reason I'm saying this is that many believers, many of us have a view of the Holy Spirit. We look at him as a comforter that is just for looks, but not for us to use. And God wants to empower us to be in relationship with Holy Spirit because God has a life that he wants to give us that is more full and freeing. So then if I shared this with you, then who is the Holy Spirit? Well, I've already shared one of his attributes. First of all, he's our helper. How does the Holy Spirit help us? Well, first of all, the Holy Spirit can help us to say the right words. You know, who here has ever been in a situation where you just didn't know what to say and maybe you made some mistakes? Well, the Holy Spirit wants to keep us from that. He can give us the right words. When I was in college, when I was in Bible school, I had a job at an auto parts warehouse and I was on a part-time shift of loading uh, trucks. And they called us for a meeting after I'd been there for about six months. I hadn't been there very long. And they called a meeting where they had decided that they wanted to remove certain benefits from from part-time full-time part-time employees. We worked five days a week, but we only worked for a few hours at a time. And I don't know what it was, but as I began to listen to this, something just welled up inside of me, and I wasn't disrespectful. I wasn't angry. It was, it was under the motivation of the Holy Spirit. I, I, I approached, I, I just spoke to the bosses both politely but passionately, and I said, I, I, I feel like this is going to really hurt this department, and it's going to end up hurting the company. Amazingly, two days later, they rescinded what they were going to do. You see, I believe the Holy Spirit can give us the words to say in situations when we have a relationship with him. But who here knows the Holy Spirit can also help us not to say things at times, that sometimes we don't need to share everything that we hear. We don't need to speak into every situation. There are moments when it's just wise not to say something. I know when I've come home at times and my kids are in one room and my wife is in another, it's not always a good time for me to ask what's going on. Sometimes you just need to let it go. Let it go. Trust Jesus. 
Trust Jesus. So how does the Holy Spirit help us? Well, he helps us in John 16, verse 8, 9. He says, and when he comes, this is what the Bible says, how the Holy Spirit will help us. He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Well, what does this mean? He convicts the world of sin. Well, when we looked at this word convict, sometimes we can think of that as a negative word. How about the word convince? The word really means to convince somebody of something. So when it talks about he convicts the world of sin or convicts us of our sin, he says in verse 9, he says, because they don't believe in me, what he's really doing is notice that he wants to, us to understand that, that in order for us to have a relationship with God, we need to convince, be convinced that we need a Savior. Who would agree with that? That if we don't realize that there is a lack in our life or there's a need in our life, we will not turn to God. And so the purpose of this is not for our destruction, but for our benefit. It's a positive revelation. He said, see, the, he, the, the desire of God here is he wants to help free us from the power and hold us in so that we can be free in every area of our life. So this is a positive relationship. God wants to restore relationship with us through the leading of the Holy Spirit. But the second thing he does, the Bible says that it does is he convicts us of righteousness. And here's where things are going to probably twist a little bit in what maybe you have perceived this verse to mean because most of us think of righteousness as about righteous living. And you're not wrong. It's not a wrong interpretation of that, that the Holy Spirit is here to help us make right choices. But in the context of this verse, what Jesus is trying to show us is that when we've accepted Jesus into our life, he wants to remind us, convince us now that we have right standing with God. Well, how is this important, Pastor Todd? Why, why do I need to know this? Well, because there's so many Christians that are going around that are still struggling with mistakes that they've made in their past, things that they've asked Jesus to forgive them of, things that they, that they, are, they struggled with for years that they feel like they're not significant in God's eyes. And what God wants to remind you is that when you've accepted Jesus, the blood of Jesus has washed you and set you free. You are now in right relationship and right standing with God. And that is a great thing. Because the Bible says that the prayers of a righteous man or woman are effective if we understand our position that we are now righteous and we can be convinced of that, we will live our lives in a whole different manner. You see, because the Bible says that when we confess our sins to God, he remembers them no more. Hebrews 8, 12. And I will forgive their wickedness and I'll never again remember their sins. I believe that most Christians, many Christians struggle to live a life of victory and power because they don't understand righteousness or their right standing before God. You see, the devil wants to convince you that you're powerless. And here's the third part. He convicts of judgment. Now, here's what's interesting. If you follow where this is going, this is not about our judgment, but about the judgment that is on the devil. John 12, 31 now is the judgment of this world. Now, the ruler of the world will be cast out. You see, because of all the pain 
agony and suffering that the enemy has caused humanity, what he has caused harm to God's people. There is a judgment on him that one day he will be cast into a lake of fire. That's what his destiny is. That will not be changed. I've had people ask me, well, could the devil get saved? No. He could not. And there's a judgment upon him. You see, we need to remember that. Why? Because when he begins to bring condemnation into our lives, reminding you of your past. Now, there's a statement when I was growing up that we used to say, when he reminds you of your past, you need to remind him of his future. He's the one that's really under judgment, but he wants us to feel judged. So here's what we need to understand. The problem is, is that we tend to twist this scripture around to think of it like this. You are a sinner, you're not living right, and God is going to get you. Now, who here, if you're honest, have had moments in your life where you felt like this? You made some mistakes that God is going to get you. You're, you're going to get judged. What this really says is if you have come to convince, if you've been convinced that you need a Savior, that no, Jesus says this, I've come to convince you that you need a Savior to convict you that you're now in right standing with God and to, to declare that the devil has no authority over your life. I'm telling you guys, this is powerful. This is good news. The Holy Spirit is our helper. He's here to help us understand who we are. And I hope there's some people here that something's rising up inside of you where you're like, come on, bring it on. I'm not weak and feeble. I'm powerful in the name of Jesus. Okay, that's the first point. The Holy Spirit is my helper. Secondly, the Holy Spirit is my friend. Now, there are many ideas that, have been per, that, are, that are perpetuated about who the Holy Spirit is. And depending on your church background, upbringing, life experience, life experience you most likely have a pre- preconceived opinion or view of who the Holy Spirit is. And, and I got to be honest with you, with the name Holy Spirit, I mean, I mean, it's, it almost is, it's, it's almost spooky or ghostly when we talk about it. I mean, when I was growing up, he was called the Holy Ghost. Oh, man, we're, we're coming into this crazy time of the year. I don't like Halloween uh, really at all, but it's that season. And it's, you know, we could, we could have named this series Ghost Stories if we wanted to kind of play into that. But we can have these ideas that somehow this Holy Spirit is this, this force that's lurking around the corner. And if you're, you're not paying attention, he's going to jump out at you. For some, your understanding of the Holy Spirit is that he's this unseen or hidden force that is released by God for special historical events or occasions. Now that's where some people maybe have sat. And I'm telling you, that's not who he is. For others, he is a weirdo you think the Holy Spirit's just a weirdo that convinces gullible and weird people to do strange things in the name of Jesus. Maybe you've been around churches that you, you're like, wow, those people are crazy. They, they just do crazy stuff. I grew up in some pretty wild stuff in my life. And if you're not careful, then you can think, man, this Holy Spirit guy, boy, he is a weirdo. Because the people that, are, that talk about the Holy Spirit, the people that speak about the Holy Spirit, they are some of the weirdest people I've ever met in my life. I want to tell you this. The Holy Spirit is my friend, and he's not weird. Now, I've got news for you that you might have met people 
who talk about the Holy Spirit that are weird. And, and, and I want you to understand this. They would be weird without the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you know, they're just weird. And because here's the, the reality. There was a survey that was taken that one in three people are weird. So I want you to look to the person on your right. And I want you to look to the person on your left. Now, if they're not weird, maybe, I don't know. Here's what I really want to get to. You can be a normal person and have a real, genuine relationship with the Holy Spirit, and it does not need to be weird. And I'm not here to make fun of people, people's experiences or any group of people, but the enemy has used perceptions and experiences to scare people about the person of the Holy Spirit. And why wouldn't he do that? Why wouldn't he? If you were the devil, why wouldn't you want to do that? Because he knows if people can discover who the Holy Spirit is and have a meaningful relationship with him, that he is in big trouble. You see, I've got to be honest with you, and this might blow some of your minds. The, the devil is not afraid. It's not afraid of more people coming to know Christ. You know what he's afraid of? He's afraid of God's people understanding who, what their authority is in Christ. Because that takes away his power and his authority. You see, if the disciples were able to turn the world upside down through the power of the Holy Spirit, would it not make sense that the enemy would try to do everything that he can to make us scared of who the Holy Spirit is? But here's the truth. More people have been saved healed and delivered in the last hundred years than any time in history. Why? Because of an understanding of the person and work of the Holy Spirit. But I know there's challenges, and here's one of the big challenges, and I'm going to lay it out here right now. Here's one of the big challenges, is that people get hung up on one gift of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. Instead of looking at one gift, we should instead look at the full benefits of that the Holy Spirit provides to all who embrace his fullness. Can I hear an amen for that? You see, the Holy Spirit is not a one-trick pony. <laughs> He's not a one-gift person. He gives us many, many benefits, which that is one of them. And we will talk about that later. I'm not, we're, this is in the Bible. We're not going to ignore it. We're not going to dodge through it, but we're going to focus on the full measure of who he is. And here are some of the benefits of friendship with the Holy Spirit. First of all, he gives us power. Now some of you are like, yeah, power. No. What power? Power to do what? Power to overcome sin. So that sin doesn't rule in our life. The power to live for Jesus, to do what Jesus has called us to do. You see, we, 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 need, we all have a call on our life to represent Jesus, but sometimes we struggle to do it. Why? Because we're not walking in the power that God has given us. Secondly, he's given us supernatural love. He fills us with love. He gives us the ability to love people. Now, I know, that who here says some people are hard to love? You know, some of them might even be in your own home. I don't know. God challenges us. But he gives us, when we tap into the benefits, the, the power of the Holy Spirit, he will give us love. You see, the Bible says if you don't have love, it doesn't matter how many gifts or how gifted you are, 1 Corinthians 13. What else does he, what benefits does he give us? He gives us 
his fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. You see, the fruit of the Spirit becomes more evident in our lives the more time that we spend with the Spirit, yielding to the will of the Spirit. You see, the fruit of the Spirit demonstrates to others the work of God in our lives. Jesus said, how, how, how will you know what a person is like? How will you know what's going on in their life? He said, well, you'll know by what? Their fruit. What fruit is coming out of their life? What do, what do people see when they see your life? You see, I believe that, the Holy, that, that more people will come to Jesus when they see his fruit manifested in our lives. And this is not the last thing, but it's the last thing I'm going to talk about. He does give us gifts. He releases gifts to help us serve his purposes in our lives. Not just one gift, speaking in tongues, but all gifts. And we will talk more about the gifts as we move forward. Why? Because they are all in the Bible. And I believe in preaching the whole word of God. Can I hear an amen for that? Now here's the last thing I want to Talk about when we say, well, who is he? Who is the Holy Spirit? Lastly, he is God. He is my God. Now, most people don't have a problem saying the Father is God. Or, yeah, okay, God, the Father, I, I get that. Most people have a problem saying that Jesus is God. But for some, saying the Holy Spirit is God can be a stumbling block. No, 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 no. You, 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 can't, you can't do that. that, that, that's, that just, that's just weird. You're, you're, you're worshiping weird stuff. Well, here's the problem. He is God and part of the Holy Trinity. Well, what is the Trinity? The Trinity is God the Father, Jesus the Son, Holy Spirit the Helper. And see, we have to understand this, that the Holy Spirit is equal in position and significance with the other members of the Trinity, that, that they're all very important, that it's the three-in-one. And what do we mean by the three-in-one? This is one of those theological things that can be difficult for people to understand, but I'm going to try to make it as simple as I can. That the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, the Helper, are, are each three unique persons, three unique, unique persons, but they are so unified in thought and purpose that they have the same mind in every situation and circumstance. They're of one mind. There's no greater unity that it can be manifested. It's holy, divine unity. You see, you cannot have one without the others. You see, if you say that Holy Spirit is weird, then you're really saying Jesus is weird, God is weird, because he is God. And the Bible confirms this. In John 14, 16, and he said, and I will pray the Father, or I will ask the Father, is what he's really saying, and I will give you another helper that he may abide in you forever. What Jesus is really saying is, look, I need to go, but I'm sending one who is like me, or one who really is me, who will be with you and help you forever. In Luke 3, 22, we see the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in unison validating the ministry, earthly ministry of Jesus. And here's what it says. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice, this is God's voice, came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. We see the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit confirming each other, confirming the work of Jesus. 
You see, the Father, Son, and Holy, and Holy Spirit support one another and to defer one another. If they were here right now, what you would actually see if they had a conversation, if we could peer into to heaven, they would be saying stuff like this. Look, you're amazing. No, no, no. You're amazing. Uh-uh. You're amazing. And they, they're going back and forth, lifting each other up, building each other up because they have that purpose and heart and mind. And I'll tell you what, if that's what their mind is towards each other, you are made in the image of God. Holy Spirit wants to let you know you are amazing. You see, the Bible says the Holy Spirit is God. In the story of Ananias and Sapphira, where Ananias and Sapphira sold some property but decided in their hearts not to give all of it, we see what, what, what Peter says to them, and we see where he says that the Holy Spirit is God. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? Well, it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not your, in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? And listen, you've not lied to men, but to God. The Holy Spirit is God. We see that the Holy Spirit is God. Margo, if you want to come up here. I'm going to wrap everything up with this. What does this mean for us? Because he is our God, Holy Spirit has the power to change us and heal us. Whatever your need is, whatever you have lack in your life, whatever you are experiencing, Holy Spirit has the power to change you and heal you. Because he is our friend. We can trust the Holy Spirit to love us and care for us, even when we feel unlovable. Because he is our helper, we can be assured that he will lead us and guide us, never forsaking us. You see, the Holy Spirit is here to encourage you today. He's here to strengthen you today. He wants to reveal more to each of you starting today. But here's the question that we all have to answer when it comes to Holy Spirit. So I'm not saying the Holy Spirit. I'm saying Holy Spirit. This is his name. Will you open your heart to a relationship with Holy Spirit? You see, only you can choose to say, Holy Spirit, I, I trust you. I trust that you're, you're, you're not weird. I trust that you're not going to force me into things. You see, we have to remember when it comes to the way that God works, the way that he designed things and the, the Holy Spirit with Jesus, that there's never a forcing people to do anything. We must choose to accept and yield ourselves to those relationships. You see, the question I ask is, will you allow him to speak to you? You see, he's not weird, he's not strange, but he wants to fill your heart with peace, with, with joy, with, with love. Whatever you need, he is here to provide it for you. What is it that you need in your life? Where are you at right now? In these few moments here that we have, in these last remaining moments of our time together, what is it that you need? Will you ask him right now? Maybe some of you today need to ask for him to forgive you because you've 
misjudged him. You've mistreated him in your attitudes and your thoughts. Maybe some of you today need to say, God, I just, I'm afraid. Lord, I I need to give you my fear. I'm afraid of what's going on around me. I'm afraid of, of what if I surrender? Am I going to become crazy? Oh, that we all might be crazy for Jesus. You know what I've learned? And I have ministered to a lot of people. I've ministered to neighbors that are Muslim. I've ministered to people that were anti-God. I've been around people, and I'll tell you what, when you have the Holy Spirit with you, he gives you an ability to be able to to share things that speak to their heart. What is it you need right now? Hmm. Will you ask him, Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, I need you. Will you be my helper? Holy Spirit, will you be my helper today? Will you help me overcome areas of weakness in my life? Will you help me be stronger? Will you help me do, a God, what you've called me to do? Will you help me be the father that I want to be? Will you help me to be the husband, to be the wife that you've called me to be? Will you help me? I, I, I want to I be everything, God, you've called me to be. Will you be my friend? There's some of you here today that are just like, I just, I just need a friend. In the book of Proverbs, there's a scripture that says there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Holy Spirit, will you be closer than a brother, closer than a sister? If you're lonely today, if you're struggling with feeling alone, God says, I want to come and I want to wrap my arms around you. I'm here to be your friend. I'm here to talk to you. I'm here to share things with you. I've got plans that that I want you to know about. Your future is a good future. I know things are crazy right now. But my plans are still good. Maybe you're here and you need to acknowledge that he's your God. (laughs) That he's your God. Why is this important? Well, I surrender to you. If you're my God, I surrender to you. I, I, I defer to you. Maybe you've just been holding on to doing things your own way in your own mind, and you're just like, I just need to surrender to you. God, would you help me? Maybe you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. It starts by surrendering to the bleeding and the prompting of the Holy Spirit. It's acknowledging that you can't live on your own, that you need help. Would you, even in this moment right now, ask Jesus to come into your life? Would you let Holy Spirit work on you? Would you say, you know what, I'm willing to surrender my own way, my own will. Thank you, Jesus.